Hello and welcome to all of you worms out there and thank you for listening to the sixth episode of the Worm Burner Podcast. I'm your host Justin and for this week we are going to be going over the striker position in the form of a deep lying forward and a target man. Um, we will not be going over, uh, as you probably expect, a goalkeeper this week, but uh, the next go-round when we are traveling back down the field, going from strikers to midfielders to defenders, we will be covering the goalkeeper for next time. So uh, just hold out, goalkeepers. You have not been forgotten, and I wanted to go ahead and state that before going into the rest of the housekeeping for this week. Um, due to some circumstances when it comes towards the questions of the week, uh, I have decided to discontinue that idea for having shoutouts on the show. Uh, that is an idea that may come back later. Um, I feel that it is a good idea, but just due to certain circumstances uh, that have arisen, I just it's I feel like it's the best decision to be able to cancel that for now. So uh, in place, we might put in some uh, shout-out games to have people watch for this week, uh, as well as maybe even introducing some story times or stories uh, having to do with or relating to soccer. Um, so that is a decision that has been yet to be made, but I just wanted to let you guys know so that way when you're checking the Facebook page that you aren't all of a sudden questioning why there aren't any questions of the week. So with that being said, uh, give me a minute. I'm going to get all of my material ready for this week's episode, and we'll be ready to dive into the deep flying forwards and the target men. So give me one second. And we are back. So this week we are going to be covering the deep lying forward and the target men, as previously stated. So uh, when it comes to these two independent roles, um, it is very, very different uh, from one another. I feel like as a coach, they can be distinguished between some certain factors, and I wish to contribute them to this podcast so that way uh, more people have the knowledge as well as, as I do for this. So um, with a deep-lying forward, a deep-lying forward is an, a striker that is looking to come back uh, for the defensive side of the ball, obviously deep-lying, so someone that is back from the top of the field, from the top of the formation, uh, they are more worried about the buildup of play versus uh, being in the actual finishing result of the attacking play. So deep lying forwards can sometimes be attributed or even mistaken sometimes uh, as attacking midfielders. So when a striker does come back and fill that gap in the attacking midfield role and wingers run on either side of him, either the left or the right, or I say wingers, but again, uh, a right or left attacking midfielder. Um, so when these players are zooming down from the sides, sometimes these players can be so far back that they are attributed or mistaken as an attacking midfielder. So they tend to drop back further than most strikers, obviously, due to the deep lying uh, role that they have. Uh, but they also have more defensive duties when it comes to the actual overall premise on the field. So a deep line forward, uh, a really good example, I would look at Francisco Totti. Um, he was a much older player that used to play at AC Mil or AS Roma. Goodness, um, AS Roma. And so when he was de deployed in his side at AS Roma, 
Uh, he was a deep-lying forward. He was back. He was able to help the build-up of play, but he primarily played as a striker. He just dropped back so much that he was used to develop the play, develop and help even in the defense sometimes. Um, whereas some strikers, when it comes to poachers, when it comes to target men, uh, like the opposing side that we'll be t discussing um, the other half of this show, um, they are more attributed to attacking. They don't really focus on defense, whereas deep lying forward, they are the ones that are back in defense. They are helping the defense. They want to get the ball back as fast as possible. Um, there are some rules, like a complete forward, and as well as a pressing forward in, in some instances, that are both attacking and defensive-minded. Mind, defensive, defensive I cannot talk. I apologize. Um, so deep-lying forward uh, is more defensive-heavy. So this is a role that is more defensive-heavy, trying to get back and be a part of the midfield. So trying to maybe... Uh, outnumber the midfield for the attacking or for the the defending team as well as just building numbers with the actual field or with it within the team itself so uh, sometimes you want numbers in the midfield which is a term that I normally hear a lot uh, when it comes to bigger teams you want to be able to have the numerical advantage within the midfield that's a very 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 important uh point and a very important strategy that some teams do uh, because nine times out of ten most of the control it goes through the midfield when it comes to uh, most teams now if you're looking at like a team like Crystal Palace that uh, when they have the ball they are a lot more counter attacking they don't necessarily go through the defense or go through the midfield every single time so uh, in those instances deep line forwards wouldn't necessarily be the best uh, strategy um, so when it comes to that deep line forward, they want to come back. They want to be able to help with the buildup within that midfield. So uh, having those individuals, it's not a bad thing. It's something that, at least in my opinion, can even unlock some of the areas. Because I know for a fact, uh, having central defenders guarding deep line forwards, it's very, very hard because they can be pulled out of position. So uh, when you're man marking or when you are having a defender man mark or have a specific person in mind where they are on them 24-7 and you have a deep line forward, they are going to be pulling them out of position there are going to be holes in your defense. And so that is where the deep line forward can be very, very, very deadly in some aspects. Uh, because if you have very fast wingers, they can exploit those holes that they will be looking for within the defense. Uh, and so deep line forward is able to extract certain uh, pieces of the defense to be able to unlock those holes. And so deep line forward, uh, as I stated before, they don't really have an attack uh, too heavily of attack minded they are more fixed or mentally uh behind this idea of being within a defensive minded or being back helping with the defense and this is not a bad mentality to have either because i do know uh, from a coaching point of view i know that some players they feel like the all the glory is as i stated before within our defensive video um last week the defense defensive side of the ball isn't necessarily glorified as much as most people would like uh, defense is a very important part of the of the field of the pitch um, and being a deep lying forward sometimes 
players can feel that it's taking away from the glory uh, at the end of the pitch, being able to score goals and being able to be that person that says, oh, hey, you're the one that brought the success to the team. You're the sole person that was the result of the team. That's not the case. It's, it's a team sport. And when it comes to those instances, yes, sure, of course, you want to be able to have those moments of glory for your team. But at the same time, uh, it's nothing without your defense. It's nothing without your midfield, and it's nothing without your goalie. So at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many goals you score. If it's two, three, four, five, six, if one team scores one goal, the entire team wins. It it doesn't matter. It Yes, you get to uh, have more goals at the end of the day under your statistics, but it doesn't necessarily matter per se to the team. Yeah, maybe you might look better. And I know, for example, as well, I mean, let's look at the semifinals of the 2014 World Cup. Um, Brazil played Germany in the 2014 semifinals of the World Cup, and they lost 7-1. That is a very high-talented and very disciplined side, and they were absolutely thrashed. And so for most people, they would be like, oh, they'll easily win the next game. They'll easily win the final. They went against Argentina, and Argentina took them to extra time. And there were multiple instances in which Argentina should have won the game. And that's necessarily not true when it comes to people saying that very attack-minded teams, they tend to be the more successful ones because I've seen teams that were very defensive-minded uh, being able to counter that and to be able to put themselves in a better situation to counterattack these teams, these attacking teams. And they are they should never, ever, ever be counted out. And for example, another perfect example, it can also be flipped the same way. A lot of people feel like defensive teams can be a very, very good team. And I remember specifically, I was talking to a very good friend of mine, and I remember talking about the Barcelona-Liverpool game uh, in 2018 or 2019. It was very recent. Uh, it was 2019, I remember. It was 2019. And Liverpool ended up losing to Barcelona 3-0 in the first leg of the Champions League. Uh, so I remember messaging my friend and saying, I think it was about like an hour or two hours before that second leg. And I remember specifically saying, this is Liverpool's game to lose. This is specifically Liverpool's game to lose. Because Barca was going to sit back deep. They were going to defend like they normally do when they have a massive lead. And that was the way that Liverpool played that year. They were a very attacking team. And they were able to basically pound Barcelona to the point where they got four goals by them and they were able to overturn the tie. So I feel like to me, whenever it, it, it can, it can go both ways of being a defensive minded and a attacking minded team and strikers are no different strikers. Uh, they can be very defensive when it comes to the overall aspect of the game. And a deep line forward is something that you are able to assess as a coach uh, that's maybe even able to unlock uh, the teams. And speaking of Liverpool as well, Roberto Firmino, in some aspects I have seen uh, in games being engaged as a deep line forward. So it isn't uncommon at all to have these bigger teams like Liverpool uh, addressing 
side with the deep line forward. So it's, it's like I said, it's not uncommon at all. Um, when it comes to these particular situations, um, it just allows the wingers to be able to come in from the sides and essentially pinch the defense and they're able to exploit the gaps that they are left open with. So going towards the actual next topic of a target man, target man is a bit different. So target men are more of a attack-minded uh, player when it comes towards a role. So target men tend to be the big men, the guys that are tall within the penalty box, uh, the ones that are on top of headers or crosses. And so when you have a target man, uh, obviously it's it's literally the definition of the role is you are a gigantic target in the box. So whether it's using your foot to be able to finish a shot or even putting your head on uh, to be able to get the ball into the back of the goal. That is the purpose of the target man. It isn't necessarily really to run all the time, although target men, they can run, they can exploit uh, zones when it comes to specific uh, areas, but uh, largely a target man is a individual that is tall and they are looking to get on the end of the ball when it comes to crosses and uh, even towards corners as well. So target man is that ideal uh, tall individual. They don't have to be fast. They don't. Uh, it, it is attributed to have some strength to be able to defend against other people that are trying to go up with you uh, to help the defense get the ball away. So it depends on on how the target man is is being deployed. Uh, so sometimes target men tend to be in two striker systems. So, excuse me. So strikers can normally have uh, two, maybe even three strikers at one time, and and some formations even have one. So a target men tend to normally appear within two striker systems. So. Two striker systems are that ideal range. So you want to be able to have somebody that's maybe even an advanced forward uh, with the target man uh, as the second striker. It depends on on the coach and the actual dynamic of the team as well. So sometimes I, I've even seen teams where they had a poacher and they uh, had a deep lying forward as the other striker within the two-party system. So it all depends, honestly, on the team, on the way that the coach wants to run it. So um, I know for a fact that it can it can vary a lot. And so with the target man, it's a very simple one. It's, it's one that doesn't – you feel like it doesn't need to be explained, but it kind of does because in some aspects – um, not many people really know that, at least from the the body structure of a target man, they're very, very strong. So uh, you want them to be able to, to body up against somebody, to be able to go up with the defenders uh, and be like, okay, hey, I'm maybe uh, this tall guy, but I'm going to jump higher and I'm going to be able to get you off the ball uh, faster. So it's one of those instances in which you have that reliable player in the box to be able to say, hey, I'm going to get on the end of the ball if you cross it. So it's a, a lot of that trust when it comes to the whole dynamic of the team. So with that being said, uh, I want to go ahead and move to the final uh, bit of our show. So that is going to be our extra man advice of the week. 
And for this week, the extra man advice of the week is going to be being a sponge. So I wanted to take the part of talking earlier of being that one player that wants to be able to drop back in defense. I know that I've even been to some practices where it's the older kids, the older individuals, and they don't want to go back. They don't want to defend. They don't want to practice defending. And that's a huge thing to me personally when it comes to coaching them. Like, you need to be able to come back, help your team. It's it's a team effort. It's a team sport. So to be able to have those individuals not really want to come back, it's it's very important to be able to learn different aspects of the game like that. And so being a sponge being that sponge, it's super, super important to be able to learn everything that, that your coaches are teaching you because it, it is important, whether it's in, in a game-like setting or maybe even it's uh, off-the-pitch kind of counseling in a way. Like These are very important situations that you need to be able to pay attention to, and being a sponge will help you be that observant point or observant person and being able to see the scenario, see the situation and being able to address it accordingly. It's, it's something that I feel that is severely underestimated with coaches um, because I feel that at least in the American mentality, we kind of let the kids do what they want in some aspects, but uh, when it gets older, they have already been set in their ways of doing their own thing. And at least personally for me, it feels like we're being counterintuitive, counterintuitive at that point. Um, but it's something that I would love to look into further uh, and I want to be able to address. But uh, back to the point of the extra man advice of the day, it's just be a sponge, be willing to learn. There's nothing wrong with wanting to learn more and being that individual wanting to put your head in a book or researching something till 3 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and d don't do that on a school day or anything like that. <laughs> it's reasonable. You have to be reasonable about it. So at the same time, don't be afraid to learn something. Don't be afraid to be that sponge uh, on the soccer pitch, being that player that wants to do everything, uh, like a midfielder, being everywhere on the pitch. It's not a bad thing at all. Like, unless the coach is, uh, unless, like, say, for example, you're a striker and you're all the way back in your own defensive penalty box that then that's a bit excessive for uh, wanting to do everything on the on the pitch but come back help your uh, in your half of the pitch and and that's something that you can very easily do so uh, that is our sixth episode of the warm burner podcast and I know that this is a significantly shorter one uh, today but I know that it was very it was chock full with a lot of good info for you to be able to enjoy so um thank you so much for tuning in uh next week we'll be having the same show same time or same day and i look forward to seeing you then so ciao everyone